I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. Did you see Trump yesterday on the town hall with Sean Hannity? I saw Spar, who is a dedicated member of Parnell's platoon, is in the trenches with us almost every day uh, in the live chat prior to coming on the show today, talking about, you know, he didn't see Trump last night because one, he had to work and two, he couldn't stand Sean Hannity. <laughs> uh, so maybe he maybe you didn't see Trump last night. But I got to tell you, uh, he did. He he was he just did an incredible job. The guy's probably the I, I stand by what I said about him and being the most electrifying political figure in my lifetime. I mean, a Trump 77. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that people draw parallels between Biden's age and Trump's age. You know, Biden is lost. He can barely string together a coherent sentence. Uh, he trips over 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 phrases and the smallest uh, set of stairs ever. In fact, they had to move to the small stairs on Air Force One because he couldn't climb the big ones. Uh, but Trump was sharp. He was witty. He was on his game. And and of course, you know, they the, the DeSantis people trotted out all of these attacks on Trump about why he wouldn't debate. Let me give you my quick perspective on Trump not debating because uh, tonight is, I think, the fourth presidential debate. You can watch it live on Rumble. Uh, but you know, the field has narrowed. Um, but the reality is, is that very few of these candidates have been able to crack double digits. And as far as the, you know, the DeSantis people attacking Trump for not debating, I mean, my perspective on this is that like, you've got to earn the right to debate the top guy, just like in boxing, you've got to earn the right to fight the champ. And so far, None of these cam candidates have demonstrated an, uh, demonstrated an ability to even get within striking distance of President Trump. And and by the way, just as a as a as a practical matter, we all know where President Trump stands on the issues. The guy was president for four years. He he releases these agenda videos, these live agenda videos on Rumble and elsewhere, uh, almost on a weekly basis. He talks about his policy positions day in and day out. It's it's not a mystery to anybody who pays attention and thinks critically. Uh, it's not a mystery where Trump stands on anything. But these other candidates. We don't know a damn thing about any of them. So, of course, they should probably be debating and informing the American people about where they stand on the issues. Uh, so it, that's where I that's where I think that's that's where my what my thought process is on on that. Um, but let me just uh, before we jump into Trump and Hannity last night, uh, let me just thank Deepwell Services uh, and Cabot Guns. They're two founding sponsors of this program. This program's not possible without them. Both of these great American companies are hiring. Uh, they're both based in Western Pennsylvania, but have locations all across America. So go to deepwellservices.com if you're looking for a job. Same thing with Cabot Guns. Cabot Guns, they're also, they're also hiring as well. Uh, and 
Uh, great American companies owned by American patriots. And by the way, if you're in conservative media like me, it's tough to find sponsors. It's tough to find people who will stand with you through thick and thin, especially if you're a conservative. You know, if you're a Democrat, you can be a no talent ass clown and go from working as a low level staffer in the White House to being on the board of Amazon. I mean, that's just the Democrat way. Their party, along with these Fortune 500 globalist companies is one big self-leaking ice cream cone, one big revolving door, and Democrats take care of one another. They sponsor each other's shows. Uh, they invest in each other. They stick together. Republicans, we we struggle in that regard. Um, but so we're thankful for these sponsors. And if you're just here with us at the, at the top of the hour, uh, make sure you like this, this program, uh, Rumble, like, like rumble whatever you want to call it rumble notices that it helps us a lot also subscribe to battleground live it's a it's a brand new show i've been doing it for a couple months now it airs every monday through friday from 5 p.m to 6 p.m tell your family tell your friends this is a grassroots show it is and will always be for you and so i've also got an amazing guest uh lined up and you know i don't have many guests on battleground live uh but an amazing guest who's been great to me over the years his name is alec lace he, he hosted a show called First Class Fatherhood. All this is on Rumble, so you can look up First Class Fatherhood on Rumble, or you can look up his new show, Alec Lace Show. Both shows are on Rumble, and this guy gets some kick-ass guests where he does deep dives on all things, especially on his new show. I mean, his latest guest, I mean, he's had Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's had Ted Cruz. He's had real conservative warriors on that show. So definitely he's going to be up at about 15 minutes past the hour. We'll get to him. Uh, but first, let me just talk to you a little bit about uh, the Trump town hall and the genesis and the emergence of what a fake news narrative looks like. Uh, so I told you that Trump was dominant last night in Hannity. He was quick witted. He was funny. He was sharp. He was he was on his toes. If Trump shows this side of himself in 24 and look, I know that most of you all are, are, are conservative lock, stock and barrel conservative voters. I know that most of you all are are likely Pulling that, pulling that lever for Trump come hell or high water. You're likely crawling over 100 yards of broken glass to do it. But the reality is, is that Trump's got to get a whole lot of uh, what you call zero four non-traditional voters, low propensity voters, uh, people that are only voting in election cycles and a hell of a lot of independence to win. And if Trump shows the side of himself that he showed last night, funny, affable, laughing at jokes, not taking himself too seriously. He's going to win by a lot bigger margin than anyone expects. Moreover, I think if Trump shows more of his personal side and shows what a ded dedicated father he is, and he's done that over the last couple of weeks, especially with regards to this trial in New York, where he's putting out things on Truth Social about protecting his son, Eric, from testifying in what is a very rigged and partisan process. I mean, he's really he's really showing himself to be the quality father that he really is. And I mean, and obviously he's a, a grandfather as well. We showed on National Grandparents Day him watching his walking his grandchild into kindergarten, holding his hand. Trump shows this side of himself and he's going to win by a huge margin. And he did that last night. And so I hope the people that are close to him, and I know that I certainly, when I get an opportunity to talk to him, which is not often, but it does happen, I'm going to tell him this stuff as well. Um, but anyway, the comment that people are freaking out about, uh, it happened on, on this town hall. I want to play you this clip where Trump is engaging with Hannity and, and Hannity directly asks him, look, are you going to go after people when you're president? And, and Trump's answer was great. But go ahead and roll this tape. 
an issue, though, because the media has been focused on this and attacking you yeah. under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Except Look, what? He's going crazy. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill. That's drill, not a that's, drill. That's not, oh, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, he keeps, we love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies when you were president. That's All right. exactly. So do you hear Trump laughing there at the end? I'm glad that that the Brockinator or Brock star, my amazing producer, which, by the way, Brock, I know that you're not going to show yourself on the screen, even though I ask you to every show. You are more than just a button pusher. You know that. You know that I appreciate you. Um, but the end of that clip was the most important one of Trump just laughing with Sean Hannity and the media. When they show this clip, they dice it up, they cut it up, they take it out of context because truly they are they're, They are a bunch of reprehensible liars. I, I mean that. Um, and they are running wild with this fake narrative. I mean, of Trump is, is a dictator and, Oh, he, he, he's, he's going to abuse his power on day one. That's what he said. Clearly, anybody that watches that segment knows that that is not true. It was not the spirit in which they were talking. Trump was clearly talking about using executive authority to close the border and start drilling and becoming energy independent again. And in doing so, we talk about this often on the show. You don't, I don't hopefully, you know, I know President Trump feels this way, but he doesn't want to just be energy independent. He wants to be energy dominant. And you take the wind out of our, our geopolitical foes when we do so. So that those two things are very important to President Trump. And that's what he was talking about. But if you look at the Associated Press, um, the Associated Press's headline this morning is Trump declines to rule out abusing power to seek retribution if he returns to the White House. Now, how you saw him, you saw that exchange for yourself. How in any way are they getting that uh, from that exchange is beyond me. And then using it as a title is just unbelievable. And now, folks, the Associated Press is supposed to be the gold standard of media. Of course, we all know they're mouth breathing liberal hacks and communists that probably would like to see America brought down a notch. I mean, again, don't forget that the Associated Press uh, years ago uh, was sharing an office with Hamas, not even exaggerating. They were sharing office space with Hamas. So uh, obviously, the Associated Press, we all know they're not the gold standard. We all know they're biased, lunatic, mouth breathing hacks. But here's why this is important. The Associated Press, it, they published this article and I, I, I pulled up the article on the AssociatedPress.com on their website. But anytime something in the Associated Press is written like this, it gets passed down to every local newspaper in the country. So people who aren't tethered to politics will wake up and read a headline that's this. Trump declines to rule out abusing power to seek retribution if he returns to the White House. And of course, CNN got in the action as well. And of course, CNN, they're fake news. Uh, but Trump sidesteps questions when asked if he plans to abuse power if reelected. There is, I mean, listen, Clearly, clearly, we've exposed this narrative the moment it it sprang forth from the mouths of these commie libs, right? 
I told you that the Democrat strategy going into 2024 is literally Trump is Hitler. Trump is Mussolini. Trump is Joseph Stalin. Trump is a dictator. That's all they have. And the reason is, obviously, Trump is dominating in the polling, but Joe Biden's an abject disaster. All of his policy initiatives are failures, right? But the, and because Democrats can't debate on an issue, they have to smear the person. And that's clearly what they're doing to Trump. And of course, Joe Scarborough, I mean, it's it, look, you can't help but be fascinated. And I got to say, got a little bit of respect for these folks as well at the Democrats' ability to sink talking points almost immediately with the media. In less than 12 hours, this, this, these talking points of Trump not ruling out, abusing power and being a dictator went out to the media. And the Democrats have been pushing it, of course, on national TV. But usual suspects, Joe Scarborough, again, uh, went out there on MSNBC freaking out and talking about how be Trump is, is being a dictator, of course, with no mention of Joe Biden weaponizing government against his political foes. But well, watch this clip with Joe Scarborough and try not to allow your IQ to be diminished by a good 20 points watching it. Go ahead and roll this. Well, I mean, Willie, think about it. If any other politician in American history were asked the question, are you going to be a dictator? <laughs> no. Donald Trump never answered it. Mm -hmm. He never answered no. it. And the, when he said, and I just want, there, there's a sickness. There is a sickness among, unfortunately, some of our fellow Americans regarding authoritarianism and totalitarianism. They want it. Mm -hmm. Because, Willie, when he promised that he would be a dictator on day one, he got applause. Well, and that's even on before, Fox News. Even and before there's he a lot of people watching who even are before right on board. He talked even before he talked about the border, which a majority of Americans would support closing the border today, probably an overwhelming majority, are drilling. By the way, what a stupid thing to say. Drill, drill, drill. What a stupid thing to say. You can tell he doesn't even read the newspapers and the people applauding that don't even read the newspapers. U.S. oil production. Yep. Record highs. We are drilling more and producing more oil, whether you like it or not. We are we are drilling more oil now than the Saudis getting more oil out of the ground than the Saudis, getting more oil out of the ground than Russia. What are you gonna drill, your teeth? We're already doing it. Like, but that just shows, Willie, how stupid he is. And I've gotta say, people who applaud, drill, 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 how stupid they are, because that's what we're doing right now. In fact, record, like Biden's administration, I know a lot of people on the left aren't gonna like this, they're, like their their presidency is seeing more oil production than any other presidency in U.S. history, and yet they applaud drill, drill, drill. They also could be victims of a cult-like personality. Well, listen, this is this is this is. By the way, it's not good for America. This is a personality cult. It's yes. very bad for America. And make no mistake of it, a large chunk of those people in that audience cheering. When Donald Trump said, I'll be a dictator on day one, well, they want that. 
<laughs> I'm like looking at the chat here. People freaking out. Uh, Br Newt is like lie NL12 when you can't argue on facts. You make something else. You make something up. Uh, what world is this? Is from Esky Dogs. What world is Morning Joe living in anyway? I mean, you're absolutely right. These people are just brazen liars, and that's exactly what they're doing. They don't have the facts. They're not armed with the facts, so they just lie. Um, talk to any oil executive. They know they call what this time period that we're in right now. Uh, they're, they're, they're marking time. They're on Biden time. In other words, they're not investing and in, they're not hiring new employees uh, unless you're deep well and you're out there scrambling to to hire people because you're trying to expand not just here in America, but in South America as well. Because the reason why they're trying to expand into South America and drill for oil there is one to have that oil used here in America because it's impossible possible to drill here that that's that's the point it's it's almost damn near impossible to get permitting for new for new drill for for drilling so um it, joe scarborough is a complete moron uh, obviously he's running with this trump is a dictator narrative because they have nothing else as people in the chat so eloquently referenced but uh, it, it's just monumentally frustrating to me because i you know i i have to say it's monumentally frustrating to me because the media just lies. And when Trump says that the media, that they are the enemy of the people, this is why. I mean, they're just brazen liars and they don't care. Uh, but I have to say, I'm one of those people that does want to see Donald Trump hold these people accountable who have so weaponized our government. Uh, to this day, Fauci has not been held accountable no member of these entrenched bureaucrats of the CDC have been held accountable. Uh, the the weaponization of the Department of Justice and the Department of Justice officials that are going after Donald Trump, his family, January Sixers, none of these people have been held accountable. There are people in our government that loathe and despise this country. And quite frankly, it in order to save this country, you have to identify who those people are and fire them. Just, just plain and simple. And look, this is not something that's unprecedented. Barack Obama, when he came into office, cleaned house and fired hundreds of people. So it, it, my point is the left is going to scream that Donald Trump is being a dictator and doing all of this stuff that nothing could be further from the truth because Barack Obama did it himself. Um, so I, I want to bring in uh, a good friend of mine, Alec Lace, to to talk about some of this stuff and get his reaction. Uh, if we've got Alec, let's go ahead and bring him in. Hey, my what's friend, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Hey, Al, Hey, everybody, just so you're tracking, this is my good friend, Alec Lace. He's the host of the Alec Lace Show, and he's on Fox News all the time, uh, offering his great opinion on a great many things. Uh, Alec, you just saw uh, the Joe Scarborough video, and I'm sure you saw the videos of Donald Trump talking about how he'd be a dictator for one day. Why does why does Trump trigger the the left-wing media the way that he does, man? Because it just seems like every day... They get crazier and crazier. I mean, what, what is your take on all of that? We've really never seen anything like this before, Sean, with anybody. This Trump derangement syndrome, it is <laughs> it's so at such a high level, not just with media, but just with regular people on the street who just can't seem to stomach any anytime you bring them up. We saw what happened with Kelsey Grammer the other day having an interview. And the minute that he said he was going to vote for Trump, they had to cut the interview. They just they can't. <laughs> it. And I pray that maybe. I pray that one day maybe Dr. Fauci sitting in a prison cell somewhere can come up with a cure for this Trump derangement syndrome so we can finally get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's it's amazing to me, like when people talk about you know, Trump, oh, oh, he said the word vermin, you know, well, what he's talking about are entrenched bureaucrats who are opposed to the president's agenda 
uh, who work against him. And I, I tell you, I had friends, close friends who were advisors to President Trump, worked in the Trump White House. And I mean, they said to me in no uncertain terms that, hey, the deep state is real. These entrenched bureaucrats, they are a real thing. And when President Trump issues an executive order or gives policy guidance and they put out these policy white papers that are supposed to be passed down at different bureaucratic levels, I mean, these these left-wing commies in our government, Alec, they will literally take these white papers and guidance from President Trump and put them in their inbox and not touch them and not advance the president's agenda. And what I would say to this is like what what all what what I always thought about, Alec, when thinking of when 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 trying to wrap my mind around this stuff was I didn't elect any of those people, but but America elected Donald Trump. Yeah, and we, we have no way of knowing just how many people are in this deep state or they're in a uniparty, whatever you want to call it. And there's so few guys that we can really trust that are even in there. I know I just had uh, Congressman Andy Biggs on the show yesterday. He's somebody that I, I like what he's doing. I like the way he votes. I like the way he speaks. He sounds like the way we, you know, what we need. But there's so few people. And Trump, when he got in there, I think even if he had to look back, he would have to say that there was some some people that he really thought were going to turn out to be good that stabbed him in the back. I mean, he even had a press secretary that came out and threw shade at him and then wrote a book saying I never voted for him. So it's got to be very difficult for Donald Trump to even know who to trust when he gets anywhere near that White House. But you're right. We didn't elect some of these people. We voted for Donald Trump, not these idiots that we're hearing from. So let's <laughs> and, and unfortunately, you know, Sean, we're like 410 days away from the next inauguration. And it just seems like it's decades away and it's too long. I, I got to tell you, man, you speaking of speaking of Republicans that you can't trust. I mean, you talk about I mean, people call them rhinos or whatever. I, I just think that sometimes it's like with friends like the Republican Party who really needs enemies. And, you know, you look at what happened with Tommy Tuberville. It wasn't the Democrats and Schumer attacking Tommy Tuberville necessarily for holding up military promotions. I mean, that's what they would have you believe. But the reality was, is he was standing up to what was an illegal Department of Defense policy of providing a taxpayer dollars for abortions. He was saying, no, we shouldn't do that. Taxpayers shouldn't pay for this. It was Republicans who were attacking him. And I, and so I want to play you the sound of Trump last night at at the at this this town hall with Sean Hannity, where he was talking about how Democrats are now funding Nikki Haley's campaign and Ron DeSantis's campaign. I want to play this for you and then get your reaction. Go ahead, Brock. Let's roll. It. You know, I just found out that Democrats are funding Nikki Haley's campaign. I hear that Democrats are contributing to Ron DeSanctis's or Ron DeSanctimonious to Ron DeSanctis's campaign. And then you hear the talking points. That's the only thing they're good at. Cheating on elections and great talking points. They say, we want to run against Trump. They want to run. Well, we did really well in 2016 and we did so much better in 2020. The person they don't want to run against is us. It's us. It's not me. It's us. Because it's a movement, the likes of which this country, Sean, has never seen before. You know, look, I, I I understand it's a primary. I, I, anybody can back anybody in a primary. I respect that. People know, I mean, all cards on the table. I, I'm a Trump guy. I tell people that, Alec, because there's nothing worse than a guy like Jake Tapper. We call him Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend on this show because that's he really was. Um, but there's nothing worse than somebody who, like, pretends to be on the straight and narrow and not a partisan, but then, but then he really is behind the scenes. So I try to just be honest with people about that stuff. But but Trump is is exactly right. It, it, and, and if the Democrats so if the Democrats thought that they could beat Trump fair and square, 
Why then would they be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in in super PAC funding to elevate people like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley? You can only wonder how much money they're paying to support Chris Christie, you know, because he's only in there to be throwing shade <laughs> at Donald Trump. But you know what? And, and it's true. They're, they're all it's all hands on deck to stop Trump. That's why we're seeing this. There would they wouldn't be with these 90 indictments that they are. They fear President Trump more than any other man on the planet. And that's why they're going hard after him. And Nikki Haley, the other day when she was on CBS, she was talking when they would ask her about the uh, children having sex change operations. She wouldn't condemn it, say it should be illegal. She said, oh, it should be up between the parents. And the, it's like you got to take a strong, hard stand against stuff like that. And say, no, we are never going to allow young children uh, to ever have these sex change operations to get castrated, mutilated, sterilized. No, you you got to have a strong answer on that. So Nikki Haley, she's another one that's in there. Let's be honest, Sean. None of these people have a chance in hell of catching President Donald Trump. He's so far ahead of them and he'll bury all of them in the primaries. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's up by 60 points in some primaries. So we've got a Republican debate tonight. And of course, the the, the town hall with Hannity was last night. I, I, it's hard for me to see how any of these candidates catch Trump. I mean, obviously, what, what I've said time and time again, their strategy seems to be wait and see if Trump gets put in jail. Obviously, that's not a strategy. And I heard from people who are inside the DeSantis campaign saying that right now their only strategy is is an existential one that would affect President Trump. Uh, what does that say about the Republican Party and our movement if, if, instead of galvanizing and, and energizing around the guy? And, tr- and I, look, I think Trump is right. The, the, the movement that's behind him is significant. Uh, tens of thousands of people show up at this guy's rally. I've never really seen anybody be able to do that. Uh, and, and they do it consistently, Alec. Uh, it's, it's a, what does it say about our party that we can't even unite around the guy that the government's trying to take out? You're talking about the same party that just kicked out one of our own members that was that votes conservative 90 percent of the time and won't go after the <laughs> right. Democrats. That's the party you're talking about. But he, the thing that, that what really disappointed me, too, was the Rose Ron DeSantis, because I did an interview with him last year uh, on first class fatherhood when he passed that fatherhood initiative bill down there. I thought it was a great thing. He's one of the best governors, if not the best we have in the country. But to see him turn now and run against Donald Trump. I cannot understand for the life of me why he would do that unless he knows something that we don't know. And that was what kind of scared me about this debate the other night between him and Gavin Newsom. It was like, what was the point of having this debate unless Gavin's going to run and DeSantis is going to run and they're going to run against each other? So it kind of scared me a little bit to see them doing these kind of debates. I don't know if the only way any of these people, like you said, has a shot is if they, they find a way to get Trump off the ballot. They lock him up. Uh, they, they get him on, on some reason to get him off the ballot is the only way they have a chance. And if we see another one of these debates, it's, it's going to be very scary because I think they may know something uh, that we don't. You know, it's such a great point. I And I don't disagree with that at all. I've said on the show multiple times, it's like the left has done everything they can to stop this guy, right? Like the moment he's come down that escalator and said he was running in 16, it was one hoax after the next, two impeachments, weaponized intelligence community against him, trying to undermine President Trump at every turn. Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. The January 6th committee, which we now know is complete and total BS. And now all of these, these 91 plus federal charges, and trying to throw the guy in prison for the rest of his life and then trying to go in after his sons and their legacy. And it's, it's, it's insane. None of that has worked. He's just gotten more popular. And I guess what I'm saying is that it's been one radical escalation after the next, Alec. Where do the Democrats in the deep state go from here? 
Well, right now it's all hands on deck to get Donald Trump out of there. He's right. the only one standing in their way. So beyond that, I, I think, listen, Sean, right now, think about how dire our situation would be if there was no Trump right now as an option. Oh. What would we have to look forward to? Who would we be, be pulling for in there? We don't have we don't have anybody right now besides Trump. So I think that's who they're they're all going after right now. And it just seems like. Uh, it, it, it almost seems like you wonder how he does it because he's got everybody coming after him and he just seems to just walk right through it. And it doesn't seem to phase him. It's just a miracle how he's able to handle all this. This is a guy that could easily be living the rest of his life in luxury, one beautiful place after another for the rest of his life. He doesn't need any of this, but yet he's here and he's really our only shot. Without him, we are totally screwed. And again, with Ron DeSantis, if Ron DeSantis would have thrown his full endorsement behind Donald Trump, there's a good chance we would have seen a Trump DeSantis ticket, which would have been a strong ticket. But and then the keys to the kingdom were Ron DeSantis in 19 in, in 2028. Now that's all out the window. Now he he lost all that steam, all that momentum. He's never going to get the support of the MAGA conservatives ever again. So I don't know. I really can't figure out why in the world or who would advise him to do this. I think it was a very bad play. It's such a it's such a great point. Um, okay, so I want to transition to the craziness that happened on Capitol Hill. I know you follow this stuff closely. Um, there were so many committees yesterday uh, yes, that that exposed to so much of this crazy radical left-wing agenda. And what I say to people is I come from a family of union Democrats. This, this ain't your grandfather's Democrat Party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, these people are crazy radical communists. And, and, and I, I think that what these committees showed on Capitol Hill is that the Democrats are clearly the party of misogyny and also genocide. Um, it you know, I've talked a lot on the show about the Democrats' inability to speak with moral clarity and how that makes the world a more dangerous place on a lot of different levels. Leaders have a moral responsibility to be able to speak with moral clarity on certain issues. I mean, that's how America has been able to be the number one superpower for the last 200 plus years. For the longest time, even though Democrats and Republicans were very different on a great many things, you know, back in the 1980s, 1970s, 1980s, I mean, you could both you ask a Democrat, you ask a Republican, hey, do you love this country? Chances are they're going to say, yeah, you know, uh, but now I, I don't have any sense that Democrats love this country. And I, I want to play this this soundbite between Elisa Stefanik and these Ivy League presidents of these universities, Penn University and Harvard, where they can't even condemn genocide against the Jews. Uh, and I want to get your reaction. Let's go ahead and roll this tape. Oh, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking specifically calling for the genocide of Jews. Does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? 
it can be harassment? The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It, I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Okay, Alec, it, it depends on context as to whether or not they can condemn genocide. What the hell is going on at these universities, my friend? Well, for, for one, it's no surprise now we get a little bit better understanding why all these people that are coming out of these schools are begging the taxpayers to pay off their tuition because they haven't got the skill sets to get a job that'll do that for them. <laughs> so that becomes more drastically clear. But here, here's the other point is, too, you got to remember these left wing Ivy League lunatics have been telling you for four years that Donald Trump is a Nazi. They told you that Donald Trump is literally Hitler. They've been telling you that for four years. These same people now are somehow okay with the genocide of Jewish people. Isn't that interesting? But the other point here, I think Stefanik Stefanik missed, is if she would have just followed up and said, okay, let's rephrase this. Uh, If someone calls for the genocide of African-Americans, does that violate the policy? And she would have pinned them right there because they would have had they would have came right out and said, oh, yes, that violates the policy. There's no way they would have backed off and said, oh, it depends about the context. If she would have said, hey, if someone calls for the genocide of LGBT community, would that be against the policy? Because at this same school, mind you, last year at Harvard, they put out a notice. It's against the policy to use the wrong pronouns when addressing another student. So that violates the policy. But genocide of Jews? No, that don't violate the policy unless it's in context. Wow. I what what <laughs> Alec, you are on fire, man. I told I that's amazing. I mean, what a great point about now we can see why the taxpayers or yeah. what they're asking for the taxpayers to pay for their tuition. It's true. Uh it, it, it it's absolutely true. And and what's more, there are reports now coming out, and there was an exchange yesterday. I have video, but I'm not gonna play it because that video is long, and I typically don't like to play long videos on the show. Uh, but that was just so important to see just how insane that exchange truly was. I mean, to me, to me, yeah, it is. It's to me, it's just evil. If you can't condemn genocide against anyone, let alone a group of people that have already experienced horrific genocide in the 20th century, what does that say about you as a human being and the soul of yourself as a person? To me, it's just evil. It's just complete evil. Yet these are the people who are in charge of some of the most prestigious universities in the world. I mean, so clearly the rot is at the top, right? And the tone that they set at the top of these universe, uh, universities uh, is, is probably the reason why. It's not probably. It's definitely the reason why you have all these kids protesting across the country talking about free Palestine and uh, from the river to the sea and are echoing pro-Hamas talking points because their leaders in their universities can't even bring themselves to speak with moral clarity on the issue. And moreover, Alec, now we find out during this exchange with Stefanik and these university professors 
that surprise, they're getting $1.5 plus billion from countries who hate us in the Middle East. And Sean, let me just put this in context for you, too, because last week uh, I had I did a, a Fox News hit. It was the same night they were doing the tree lighting. So it was, traffic was a nightmare. But there's all these Palestinian protesters all over the place with waving the Palestinian flag, chanting from the river to the sea. And I couldn't help but just sit there and look. And as this is Times Square that in 1945, when we liberated the Jews from the concentration camp, was flooded with Americans that were cheering and grateful that the war was over, that we finally were able to liberate all these people from this horrible Holocaust that was going on over there. And now it's flooded with people waving a Palestinian flag, calling for the extermination of the Jews, how far this country has fallen. And I just hit me sitting there. Wow. If the people from 45 could just see what was going to happen in the in the future here, they'd be sick to their stomachs of what we've become. Wow. Alec, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it just it just seems like, you know, they, these colleges and especially these Ivy League colleges have these billion plus hundred billion dollar uh, endowments. Uh, to me, I, I, you got to seize the endowments, tax the endowments. The American people have a right to know uh, how foreign governments are influencing college campuses. And uh, so many of these kids, these college campuses have become you know, incubators of violence, ignorance, terrorist thought. Kids come out and they 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 hate America. And, and you know, for the longest time, it was like, oh, you know, my parents used to say to me all the time, yeah, in order to provide for your family and be a good husband, be a good father, you got to go to college. I'm not so sure anymore. And when you look at the, the indoctrination at these universities, it doesn't just stop with with stuff like this, as horrible as this was. Th- there was another exchange yesterday on Capitol Hill between Riley Gaines and Summer Lee. Now, Summer Lee is a, is a, a congresswoman from Western Pennsylvania, so from not my neck of the woods, who represents the city of Pittsburgh. And she is a whack job, total, complete commie whack job, member of the squad. Um, got this video, uh, this exchange between Riley Gaines, and they were talking about you know, uh, men playing in women's sports and just the whole situation is just insane. Down is up, up is down in, in this country anymore. But watch this exchange with Riley Gaines and Summer Lee, and I want to get your take on this after. And to me that although the title of this hearing implies a much needed discussion, we're likely going to be forced to listen to transphobic bigotry. Unsafe, unfair and discriminatory practices towards women must stop. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness. And Ranking Member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Thank you. I have, as the saying goes. Uh, Madam Chair, excuse me, I move to have uh, the gentlewoman's words taken down. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities. Can I just ask how it's fair to be called transphobic? There's a thing. I would say men disguising themselves as women are engaging in personalities. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, I move to withdraw the point of order. (laughs) Did you hear? Did you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene? Did you hear Marjorie Taylor Greene in there? Like, I would say men pretending to be women are engaging. (laughs) But what do you make of that? I mean, she's right. Like, hey, if you're going to call me transphobic, then you're a misogynist. You know, thank God for people like Riley Gaines. And we definitely need 
we need parents in this country to really step up to this because we cannot stay silent anymore about this. And she's right. Uh, misogynistic is what this woman would have to be. Anybody that would allow a, a man to go into the woman's locker room and defend that needs to be removed from any point of our government or any decision making that has to do with children. They shouldn't be allowed anywhere near it because this is a dangerous president. I got a nine year old girl. She's my only girl. There's no way in the world I want her growing up in a world where she's going to have to share a bathroom or a locker room or compete on a sport with it with a guy. So I, I, I applaud Riley Gaines. And you can see how the, that woman crumbled completely. The squad member there completely crumbled <laughs> and didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to react. Or I want to remove the words and then had to withdraw, which was, I think, phenomenal. But good, good on Riley Gaines. We need we need a lot more Riley Gaines right now in the country. You know, it's so unfair. I mean, because as conservatives, you're absolutely right. We can't be silent on this issue, um, and especially as as men, husbands, fathers, like you have a bunch of, you know, because I he hear people say all the time, especially conservatives, oh, well, these women, these college women just refuse to compete, you know, and okay, you're asking a college, a young woman in college to, to do a whole lot there and to, you know, pressures, you know, Riley Gaines has, people have come after her, you know, and people have threatened her life. They've doxed her home address. Uh, her life has for is been forever altered, maybe not necessarily in a negative way, but for taking these stances. And so you see, you know, what could happen if a young woman should stand up, the world is going to come after, her, especially the radical left. And, and you know that they fight and they fight in unison. Uh, but these young women, they, we can't expect them to do it alone, which is why it's so important to do exactly what you said. And parents, especially especially fathers and husbands, need to stand up, too, and say this is complete bullshit. There's 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 no what are we doing uh, to protect young women in lockers? Why should a young woman have to get dressed next to a six foot four, 200 plus pound guy while he's getting naked next to her. And oh, by the way, they didn't even know about it until the moment the guy was stripping down. What's this country come to? Yeah, and also they were telling Riley, oh, that well, they should have shower curtains and we should rearrange the entire facility because we may have one uh, man that wants to use this locker room. No, that's not the way this works. We should not have to uh, change everything for to, to fit the less than 1% of these. And it's not even the less than 1%. It's these lunatics, most of them mentally <laughs> ill, that want to pretend like they're girls, put on a skirt, go into the, into the girls' locker room. And it's nonsense. We can't stand for it. I'm not afraid to say that I'm 100% against this. And you know what? Not just for the girls. What are we doing to the young boys in this country? We're allowing them to get castrated. We're allowing them to sterilize themselves. We're, we're destroy we already have a population in decline. We see these dinks that are on TikTok all of a sudden, the dual income with no kids celebrating, oh, we're never going to have kids in our life. We are crushing our own population in this country, and we're castrating these young boys. And you know what's going to happen, Sean? When these kids grow up and they realize that they can never have children now, and now they're depressed, None of those adults that were championing this stuff are going to be anywhere to be found. None of them are going to be there to pick up the pieces of the broken and shattered lives that this entire transphobic trans phenomenon is going to leave behind. Wow. I, I, geez, man, that's powerful. I mean, it's, and you're right with the dual income, no kids stuff. Uh, the dinks, that is a trend right now. Right. Talk, it's hard to imagine living it's, it's such an unfulfilling life. Uh, where you're just focused on you and you don't hear the pitter patter of little footsteps behind you and being able to watch it, watch your kids grow up. It's just the greatest privilege in the world. And I can't help but feel bad for these parents who are bragging about being dinks. I mean, I, it, it it's, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, saying dinks, like it's just, I know. <laughs> yeah. I always think about space balls with the little dinks, dink, 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 like they come walking in, you know, but, uh, it, it is. but they're promoting it and you see it on TikTok. And, and you know what, to be honest, it's mostly if you go on TikTok and you search dinks, 
it's all white people that are doing it too, that are telling you don't procreate. We love not having kids. It's like, it's almost oh, like geez. that by design as well. Yeah, it's so true. And then you see the the National Women's Law Center president, Fatima Gr- uh, uh, Goss Graves. Um, she was the liberal, the Democrat witness at the Title IX hearing. She was talking about, uh, you know, she was advocating on behalf of trans youth. And you're right. I mean, it's absolutely insanity. Uh, but she said something yesterday that just just pissed me off because, you know, these college scholarships, these sports scholarships that are reserved for young women to allow them to compete. You have these young women who dedicate their life to a sport only to have it stolen from them at the last second by a dude, a mediocre dude who can't even bring himself to compete in, with, with men who'd rather compete against women. And a, a person like that, a dude from their high school, or could be from another high school, steals that scholarship. What, what does this woman say? Let's, let's watch what she says and let me get your reaction on that. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully, and often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, They learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. So, of course, Fatima Graves is the wife of the district attorney in in Washington, D.C., who, by the way, is prosecuting all these January 6th prisoners. A lot of people don't know that. But here she is on Capitol Hill, not only advocating for men to compete with with women who have a clear biological they're, they're just bigger faster stronger it's just science right science tm uh trust the science right unless it pertains to men competing in women's sports and then they don't give a shit about the science but here she is saying that women athletes should just learn to lose gracefully what the what what do you make of that yeah, imagine being a, a parent of a daughter that did lose in the scenario you were talking about just before. You lost out your dreams, your hard work, and everything you lost to a dude, and they're telling you, well, you have to learn to lose gracefully like this now. And, and, and it's almost like it would be like if someone was using steroids, caught using steroids and beat you, do you just lose gracefully? No, you got robbed of your opportunity. This was an unfair advantage. And I love the fact that during that hearing, too, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was able to point out the fact that Serena Williams was once asked, if her and Andy Murray played a match together, she said, oh, no, it'd be over in five minutes, maybe seven minutes. Uh, he, he's much, he much serves much. It's a totally different game. So she openly admitted there's no chance in hell I could beat Andy Murray because it's an unfair <laughs> advantage. And we all know this. But for some reason, we have to we're, we're all like, I don't know if you're like me. I feel like bashing my head against the wall when we talk about <laughs> this, because it's like it's common sense. It's obvious stuff. And these people are trying to tell you that that it's that it's right. And, and then if you don't like it, that you're transphobic. And you're like, how did we get to this point? <laughs> It's like the entire Democrat platform is gaslighting the the American people into believing things that are obviously 
false and lies are true. Oh, inflation is going down. The economy is great. Let's talk about the war in Ukraine. And you don't have to be General Patton to know, Alec, that, that the war in Ukraine was not going well. You didn't have to be a tactical genius to know that the summer offensive, when you're facing down a Russian horde, that Ukraine over the long term was probably not going to fare well. And and then it we get to the question of should Americans be sending, you know, billions and billions at this point, over $180 billion of US taxpayer money into a fight that is essentially a black hole where we're paying Ukrainian first responders salaries and then we're paying Ukrainian government bureaucrats pensions. All the while, Ukrainian government officials are buying mansions under different names in in Europe. And I think Zelensky bought two yachts under a pen name. Um, So Biden's out there today because I think the American people, by and large, are. I think they're over this war. I think by and large, vast majority of Americans are against the war in Ukraine. And the Biden administration, along with Biden administration officials, were out there trying to emotionally tether the American people to this fight. And I saw Biden just before I came live on the show talking about Americans potentially fighting against the Russians. And so let me roll this tape and get your reaction and take on all this. Go ahead and play it. Well, we've committed as a NATO member that we defend every inch of NATO territory. Then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today, American troops fighting Russian troops, American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. So you had Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin talking about if Ukraine doesn't get their aid, Americans might have to fight them. Now you got the commander in chief, Joe Biden. You have John Kirby. He's out there saying, if you think the cost of supporting Ukraine right now is high, and this is a quote, just imagine how much higher it's going to be, not just in national treasure, but in American blood. Well, Sean, I need to tell you, you, nobody knows better than you what that price actually looks like and what the American people had to pay for 20 years at war. We just got done with that. But it's like, here's like, you know what I, what's interesting, Sean, I find fascinating is the fact that for four years, they, they buried Trump because he dodged the draft. Joe Biden dodged the draft. You haven't heard about that yet in his presidency. Here's a guy who dodged the draft himself talking about sending your daughter, your son off to go fight and protect Ukraine's border while our border is being invaded like a sieve and nothing is being done to stop it. It's another one of these things where you want to bash your head against the wall and say, you know, hey, Joe, can we take care of our border first before we start worrying about Ukraine's border? $180 billion. We got veterans sleeping on the street, homeless, crack addicted. Uh, can we do something to help these people out or do we just going to focus? Everyone knows. And listen, you're right. I think the interest has wavered because I see a lot less Ukraine flags in the bios on X now. So it seems like they've kind of given up. They've switched to the Palestinian flag, a lot of them. But, yeah. And I've also noticed some of the pronouns dropping, too. That that fan's kind of wearing off a little bit, too, I, which is good to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, there's only so many room for so many flags outside the American flag and Peeper's Twitter bio. So I suppose if they're if they're done with Ukraine and taking up the Palestinian flag, I, it's, it's difficult to choose one war the, over the other, I guess. Uh, but I mean, to me, it's like you're you're talking about putting American sons and daughters into what is a conventional fight against Russia, two nuclear powers. At the end of that fight, as things escalate from a conventional fight, it's, it's clearly going to end. I mean, well. Maybe not clearly, but the probability of it ending with, you know, one side or the other using a tactical nuclear weapon is very high. And maybe that's the reason why people are like ditching the American flag from the bio. Right. What do you think? 
Well, just like Trump said in that town hall last night, you never heard nuclear weapons being used like you're hearing it right now. You're hearing it all the time. You you have it right now going on with Ukraine, Russia. You also have it on now with Israel, who's got nukes. So it's like the the whole region over there. And it just seems like everything is just set to go up. And I think, unfortunately, I think we're headed for a disaster here in 2024 because I think no matter how this swings it, they know Trump is their biggest threat, and they're going to do everything and anything possible to make sure that guy does not get back in the White House. And I, 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 I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah, it's it concerns me as well. And not only are they going to do everything that they can to try to get Trump out of the White House, but they're going to do everything that they can to fly cover for Joe Biden. And there was this exchange. Um, uh, Biden was doing this press briefing uh, that we that those comments were from. And he had a, a question from, an, of course, it had to be a New York Post reporter because Biden only gets tough questions from essentially Fox News, New York Post, maybe Newsmax. Everybody else in the lapdog media just simply tries to ingratiate themselves with the Bidens so they can get all invited to all the right White House parties. I mean, it's actually such a, such a total joke what our media has become. But he was asked directly about, you know, hit, his proximity to Hunter Biden's business partners. And we know now, of course, that Biden was taking money that was laundered through multiple bank accounts of which Hunter Biden controlled or some member of the Biden family controlled. He's taking money from countries who hate us. I mean, that much is so clear now. And, and but watch this exchange. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. President Biden on Ukraine and also China, uh, there's polling by the Associated Press that shows that almost 70 percent of Americans, including 40 percent of Democrats, believe that you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. Can you explain to the Americans, uh, to Americans amid this impeachment inquiry, why you interacted with so many of your son and brother's foreign business associates? I'm not going to comment that I did not. And it was just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their business associates? I did not. There's lies. Hey, don't worry about it, Alec. We have checks signed by the Biden family. (laughs) It's all lies. Don't worry about it. Case closed. Yeah, and he turns his back on the American people once again. That's his signature move there is to turn his back on everybody and walk away and not answer and face the music. Like Trump would stand there for for an hour and just battle with these people. The minute he gets a, a not even really a hard ball, a hard softball, he turns and walks away because he knows it's true. He knows he's corrupt. So what is he supposed to do? He's got to go and wait for the handlers to take care of this. That's all he can do. I mean, he's 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 got his hand in the cookie jar. The evidence is right there. It just seems like we're slow walking everything, though, Sean, like the Democrats had Trump. The minute that guy won the election the same night they talked about impeaching him before he even got inaugurated, the Democrats were ready to impeach this guy. With Biden, it's like, when are we going to see this actually hit the floor and let's vote on it? We have the majority in the House, which unfortunately is a little slimmer now than it should be. But we have no reason to not get this guy impeached, at least at least put it on the floor for a vote so we can see which one of these rhinos is not voting for it. And also, too, by the way, can we just get the Mayorkas impeachment going? I mean, what, what more do we need to see? How many more videos do we need to see of Chinese nationals and military age young men crossing the border before we're actually going to take some action? And it does. I'm, I'm pissed off about it just because it's like it seems like we just keep getting buried and we don't get any any positive momentum. The Democrats, they have the ball. They're constantly running with it. All we do is play defense and then some a little half ass offense. We never take the ball and score. And right now we need it more than ever. And I'm tired of losing, man. And that that's what I appreciate about President Trump is the guy's a fighter. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I like that he counter punches and fights back. And and I think that's why it's so important that. 
Americans, especially these primary opponents, his primary opponents who are all going to be on stage today, single digit midgets that are that are debating about why they should be the next president of the United States. I mean, clearly they don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Uh, Trump is the guy he every room that he's in, he sucks all the air out of. Uh, and it just seems to me it's just so disheartening to me. And because like this presidential primary is essentially a microcosm of what's wrong with the Republican Party. You know, while the Democrats, I mean, yeah, you've got RFK Jr. running against Biden, but then he quickly shifted to being an independent because the Democrats don't even allow for any dissent in their primaries. I mean, they rigged their own primary process to support Joe Biden. And I just wish that Republicans would fight tooth and nail and play for keeps like the Democrats do. It's very hard because we're fighting both. We're fighting the Democrats and fighting the Republicans. And that's why it's this uniparty that's in there, deep state, whatever you want to call it, is a powerful one. This government's got way too big. It's got way too much power and it's looking for more. And that's not going to stop it. So we the people stop them. And that's what it's going to take. It has to. We got to return the government to the people until that happens. We don't have a chance. And, And it just seems like it almost seems like I said before, without Donald Trump on the horizon, what in the world would we have to look forward to right now? Who would be the guy? Who's the guy that could help us here? It seems like it's Trump or nothing right now. If we don't get it in 2024, I think we're doomed. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Alec, uh, tell tell this audience where they can find you and how they can support you. Yeah, I'm right here on Rumble. Go ahead. Uh, the, the, the channel is under First Class Fatherhood, but it's the Alec Lay Show is what I broadcast on there. I do it Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sean, I, I've been doing First Class Fatherhood for five years, keeping politics out of the conversation, just talking about fatherhood, family life, and, and the joy of it. And I, I had a, I, I couldn't keep my mouth shut anymore when President uh, Joe Biden said there's no such thing as anybody else's kid. Our nation's kids are all of our kids. And that that weekend, I launched the Alec Lay Show and said, I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut. Uh, let's go. So on there, you can see some of the names I've had on the back of the wall here. Sean's been on the show uh, as well. But Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Marjorie Taylor, Dinesh D'Souza, all these guests. Uh, They've been coming on the show tomorrow on the podcast. I got Senator Steve Daines joining me. So if you want to check it out, I'm right here on Rumble. Man, Alec, you are a warrior and a patriot. Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time tonight. And I, hopefully I can get you back on the show. Can you come back on soon? Anytime. You want to come on mine, I'd love to have you too. So let's uh, let's do this again soon. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Sean. All right, folks. That was Alec Lace. I mean, this guy is a great American. Uh, he's a great patriot. Do everything you can to go over and support him. You know how I feel about independent media. You know about how I feel about conservatives supporting one another. Here's a guy that that did a show for years, had some top-notch A-list guests, and just here's Biden talking about Democrats co-opting the family and going after the nuclear family, couldn't stay silent anymore, and gets in the fight. That's what we need. We need Americans to rise up and fight back. And I'll talk quickly before I sign off tonight about the Republican majority. I mean, Alec talked about it. Uh, very quickly is that our majority is a little bit smaller. I mean, I'm sure you've all seen that Kevin McCarthy is resigning. He's going to be out of the U.S. House of Representatives at the end of December. Many of you all are probably cheering. Oh, he's out of there. And again, I don't care about McCarthy. It's not about that to me. I look at it from the perspective of, of a team. The majority gets even smaller. And I want you all to consider this as I sign off tonight. Uh, you have McCarthy will be gone at the end of the month. We just booted inexplicably George Santos, who is a reliable Republican vote and one of the stupidest moves ever. Now, is George Santos a great guy? I, I No, I'm not supporting him. I'm not carrying water for, for him. He doesn't need me to do that. But he was a lock, stock and barrel conservative vote. We had that. Right. And so 
uh, Johnson, Bill Johnson of Ohio, is retiring, will be out of the U.S. House of Representatives in February. That leaves Republicans with a one-vote majority going into 2024. And what I want you all to be aware, members of Parnell's platoon, you got to know this stuff, is that the majority rules on the U.S. House of Representatives. So if one member of Republican member of the House gets sick, goes home, it doesn't show up for a vote, goes on a field trip with their kid, goes to a ball game, I don't know, sleeps in one day, and Republicans go to the floor with a, with a smaller number than the Democrats, well, the Democrats right then and there can file a motion to vacate. They can get rid of Speaker Johnson. They can co-opt the, the House of Representatives and, and literally take control. That's not hyperbole. So the Republican leadership with a razor thin majority in 2024 better better be damn well sure anytime they open up the House for business that every single member of the Republican Party is present. Not only is that a risk of Democrats taking the House, it also presents a vast risk of what the Republican agenda in 2024 will be completely handicaps Mike Johnson, which, by the way, I'm not unconvinced that this move by McCarthy uh, was not deliberately intended to do that. However, this puts the impeachment inquiry at risk. There's an impeachment inquiry vote. We already know that Ken Buck is a no vote on that with a one vote majority. You get one no vote. Impeachment inquiry goes away. Right. So let's not vote on the inquiry. Let's already happening. Let's keep moving the ball down the field on that. But if Republic if, if Republicans somehow screw the pooch. And Democrats stifle their agenda or even at worst take control, they, they will pass. No joke. There's a bill on Hakeem Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries' desk right now that would be a, a wholesale federal elections takeover of no voter ID. They'd ram through this crazy radical agenda. So let's pray together that Republican leadership has their act together to stay in the fight, stay in the trenches and push back against the radical left going in 2024 because their back is up against the wall. Um, so anyway, folks, thanks for being with me. I'm glad I was able to introduce you to Alec Lace tonight. That guy is a great conservative patriot. He's a hell of a guy. Uh, make sure you support him. Uh, as always, you got Battleground Apparel, right? The Battleground Apparel Company is a new company that is for American patriots. Uh, it's all at officialshawnparnell.com. You can get all that stuff there. All my signed books are there as well. Make sure you like and rumble, like and rumble, like and rumble. That's just so important. Tell your family, your friends to subscribe to Battleground Live. This show is growing. Got the report from Rumble the other day that I think in the last month we had over 900 plus new subscribers. So if you're one of those new subscribers and you're new to this show, welcome to Parnell's Platoon. We love having you in the trenches. This show is and will always be for you. I uh, also want to give a shout out to Wendy Bell Radio. Uh, she supported me from the very beginning, along with her great producer, Brock. Uh, make sure that you, sh if you're not already supporting them on Locals, go ahead and subscribe and, and, uh, to them on Locals. They have, they're going to have a ton of awesome content rolling out to you very, very soon on Locals. But anyways, that was a mouthful. Thank you for sticking with me for the full hour. I want to say God bless you all and God bless America, this amazing country that we call home. Take care.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.